Hi friends, it's me, Jess Bost, here with another episode of The Breakthrough Factor. And today's guest is Perth Toll. She is a friend of Alpha Architect and more. She is a badass boss woman as well. <laughs> but um, on the podcast, we are going to keep it uh, restricted to the things that I know we can talk about today. So you will have to look up Perth and figure out why she's so badass later on. But she's <laughs> going to be talking a little bit about uh, her journey into finance and how she found her way here, what she loves about it, what she does now, and uh, why she's a friend of Alpha's. So welcome, Perth. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about you, maybe not all the way back to the beginning of growing up, but what is it about your life growing up that led you into financial services? Yeah, so I grew up in both China and the US, and when I went back to Hong Kong to live after college, um, is when I started being really interested in finance because it's just kind of a finance center mm. um, of Asia and of the world. And uh, all my friends were in finance. I did have a finance degree, but I truly didn't learn anything in college. So I didn't really get interested in it until I was in Hong Kong. And it, it was also there in Hong Kong um, when I traveled to the mainland, to Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, that I realized the difference that freedom made mm. in my life. And I started exploring the relationship between freedom and markets. Oh, so... And that, I, 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 that's a pretty common thread that I feel like people in finance say or feel about their journey is it's not the degree that gave me a passion for finance. It's how it connected back to my world and back to my life. Yeah, and that's when I absolutely. really fell in love with and found my way because there's so many different ways that you can get into finance, but that usually seems to direct how they enter financial services. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I remember when I was in Hong Kong, I wanted to do investment banking because that's what my um, dad, who I was in Hong Kong reconnecting with, mm. um, had done previously before he retired. And um, and so I, I interviewed with a bunch of investment banking firms and the, the number one feedback I got was you should be a private banker, which is kind of equivalent to, in the United States, a financial advisor okay. for individuals and families. So when I came back to the U.S., I worked at Fidelity as a financial advisor for 10 years. So that, that was actually what directed me into um, to that role. And then in that role, I had clients who, like me, were from other countries, for example, Russia or Saudi Arabia, who said, I don't want to invest in these in my home countries because it's like funding terrorism. That's what my Russian client said to me. Mm. And so, um, so, you know, that's where I got the idea for um, what I do now as well. So yeah, it, there was a, a progression that had absolutely nothing to do with anything I learned in school. <laughs> that is, that's, that's amazing for one. And to have that experience with clients where their feedback is starting to help you navigate what matters to you and how you can make a difference in the world. I mean, yeah. that's, as a, as a coach, uh, I, you know, as a CrossFit coach, not a financial coach, but as a CrossFit coach, that was one of the things that kept bringing me back to my purpose was people saying, you know, you've really helped me gain confidence in what I can do. And you've really helped me uh, realize that I'm, I'm able to be strong and that I don't have to, you know, be skinny in order to be worthy of, uh, you know, my place in this world. So it was just this, that feedback from the clients that 
helped me understand. Yeah. And it sounds like that may have been, you know, that the is feedback from absolutely people. the true north. Like what, why we're here is mm -hmm. for those clients and, and for what they're looking for. So we're here to provide that solution for them so that they can go back and, and be proud of what they're investing in. So, so absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I love it. I love it. So you were at Fidelity for 10 years, yep. right? Uh, when did you meet Wes and Alpha Architect? At what point did the roads cross? Yeah, so that was way after Fidelity. So okay. I left Fidelity in 2014 to be a stay-at-home mom with a young child. And a couple years later when she became, you know, she old enough to go to school full time is when I went full time on this. Okay. And what I did at that time is, you know, I, I knew I had this index that I wanted to turn into an ETF. Um, so I wanted to learn as much as I can about the ETF ecosystem. And I came to one of these big conferences. I came to Inside ETFs in 2015. I believe that is the one, or maybe it was 2016 where I met Wes, okay. um, at one of these conferences. And, you know, I followed his work and we um, got to know each other more uh, as time went on. In 2018, so you, you can tell I was a mom and I was very slow in doing this because I was, <laughs> being a mom was my, my first priority and then, and then this of when course. I was starting this company. And uh, so I am a lot slower than, than a lot of other people. So that is something that my friends make fun of me for, uh, for good reason. So, <laughs> um, but it all worked out in the end. So, um, so I actually, in 2018, I had been shopping the idea around to a bunch of issuers. And all of them said no, they don't want to launch this. Um, or a few of them said yes, but then they backed out or they made me a terrible deal. So nothing worked out and it became apparent that I would have to launch this on my own if I wanted it to be an ETF. And so I went to, to Democratize Quant Conference by um, Alpha Architect mm -hmm. and afterwards I spoke with Wes and there were about seven of them in the room, I believe, for this, this conversation. And I was like, hey, why don't we partner on this? You know, um, go have these, right? And so. So they were like, no, dude, you know how it was. <laughs> he was like, no, uh, you should do it on your own. I was like, how am I going to do this on my own, right? You have seven <laughs> PhDs in this room right now. So I didn't really take that advice very seriously, but he actually, throughout the rest of that year, you know how, this is how Wes operates. He mentored me throughout the year, mm -hmm. was this amazing mentor. And um, by Thanksgiving, that was spring when we talked, by Thanksgiving, I was ready to do it on my own. He had helped me negotiate service contracts, he had helped me set things up. Um, I was about to, at the time, he still needed something called the exemptive relief, and that was being drafted for me. Um, so we were ready so to go cool. by Thanksgiving, and I was fully confident that, that I could do this on my own, thanks to Wes's coaching. Yeah. Awesome. And one day we had a conversation, and, and Wes was like, hey, great idea, brilliant idea, you're gonna love. He's like, you would save even more money if you did this with us. <laughs> I was like, did we not already have this conversation? And he was like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. So, so of course I said yes, <laughs> and that was what I wanted in the first place. And for, for them to be handling all the operations of the fund, um, and you know how these guys are quant ninjas. Yes. So I have 100% confidence that the fund is being traded uh, optimally at all times, accurately. So I can now focus on marketing yeah. and sales. So. Um, and just getting the story out there and letting people know that this solution exists. And so I've been able to do that and I could accredit a lot of that success to um, the team at ETF Architect handling the operations. That is amazing. So the solution is um, a, an outworking 
of those conversations that you had with your clients, but also just your own personal journey and experience being in China and understanding the the dollars that and what they were funding in those places. Right? Yeah, so, so the solution is basically an emerging markets um, strategy that is freedom weighted instead of market capitalization weighted. So market capitalization weighting being the standard weighting mechanism right. in emerging markets uh, with with a uh, universe that is so rife with autocracies, it ends up with about 40% in autocratic countries like China, Russia, mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia, uh, Turkey, Egypt, and so forth. Now right. Russia, we've seen what's happened right. um, and it's been written down in most funds. But, um, you know, I didn't want to invest that way and I had clients who didn't want to invest, invest that way. Yeah. So um, we wanted to align our values for freedom uh, with our emerging markets allocations and nothing existed that would do that. So what we do is we use third-party quantitative freedom data from the Cato Institute and the Fraser Institute and that encompasses both human freedoms and uh, basically both personal freedoms and economic freedoms and uh, I combine the, the human freedom metric and use that to weight countries. And so our country allocations come directly from um, that human rights data. And so the, the freer countries get a higher weight, the less free countries get a lower weight, and the worst autocracies are naturally excluded from the index. So we've never had any China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and that has really helped our relative performance. That is an amazing way of directing money toward the things that that not just that you're passionate about, but that can facilitate a difference. Yeah, we want to you know allocate our dollars to countries that are promoting freedom and promoting peace and protecting the freedom of their citizens. That have strong institutions, rule of law, investor and individual protections, you know, freedom of speech, media expression, um, and so forth. And not the ones that are kind of causing the chaos in the world. Right. <laughs> so, so we want to make sure our dollars are, are going to the things that. Um, that are making the, the world a, a more peaceful and more free place. So in emerging markets, there really is no neutral. There's either, mm. you know, because of the, the, the autocracy concentration in most, you know, benchmarks, there really is no neutral. You're either promoting the freer markets or you are promoting the autocracies. So we wanted to have a solution that would promote uh, the freer places in the world. I love it. So the the podcast is The Breakthrough Factor, and yep. one of the central themes is to help tell the stories, not just of success, because I know you are having an amazing amount of success as you, as you continue to market and tell the story um, of, of your company, but to go back to those moments that you had to struggle to push through obstacles, that you had to find something within yourself to get past mm. that barrier to the thing that you knew you were born to do. So tell us, <laughs> you know, wow, invite, us know into, <laughs> invite us into that space a little bit, if you will, and, and share just some of, those, some of those obstacles to creating this company. I don't even know where to begin with that. I mean, there's so many things I can talk about right now. <laughs> so, you know, when I first left Fidelity, um, I did have this in the back of my mind, although the primary reason I left was to be a mom. Yeah. Um, but I knew this had to exist and that someday 
that I would love to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I knew all the challenges of, e of ETFs, of the ETF world. I mean, even being here today, it's overwhelming because yes. of, you know, the <laughs> sheer size of some of these companies and, and some of some of the, the presence here. Yes. And, and so, um, so, so yeah, it, it is a very intimidating industry. Um, and I was in a very cushy job as a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd been there 10 years. I had, you know, a lot of support from my boss, from my assistant, from everyone around me. And I, and I loved my branch. I loved my clients. You know, I, I, I loved my job. And it was very difficult to leave a cushy job like that. Um, you know, Fidelity, of course, was very good to us. Yeah. And so I needed a lot of confirmation to do this. And, you know, also at the time, I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, a single mom. And so right. yeah. um, that always comes first. And it's, it's like, you know, I, I may never be as, I never came into this wanting to be iShares, right? A lot of people compare us with iShares products and be like, I mean, I, I appreciate that, uh, that <laughs> confidence that, that we can be that, that, that uh, big, but that's not, you know, what I came here to do. I came here just to make this, this product exist so that people who wanted to invest this way could. So I needed a lot of confirmation in the beginning. Um, I got that and, um, and I did, you know, through that confirmation, get the courage to leave. But there were a lot of challenges along the way. I mean, I was, you know, dealing with, you know, having to leave my child behind when it came to stuff mm -hmm. like this or um, just, you know, just, uh, you know, the balance, uh, work-life balance between, you know, being a mom and doing this full time. Um, fundraising, right? Getting that first investor, uh, mm -hmm. Rob Arnott. That was a breakthrough moment for me, actually. I remember at the time um, I had just moved and I had been um, burglarized um, before the move. I was on a trip like this. And when I came back, um, my like I had a, a, some some uh, actually my, my wedding ring and wedding band were missing. Um, and, <laughs> oh and I remember thinking, wow, that's like the first time I've been robbed. This is like a really horrible experience. And then I was like, you know what? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, like I wasn't wearing it anyway. I was divorced. And, um, you know, of course, I wanted to save it for my child. I wanted to show her. But that was like a, tra like a slightly traumatic for me because it was like my first, first experience being robbed. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, that was around the same time that, you know, I, was, I had been being mentored by Wes and I was talking about launching this on my own, but I didn't have the, the cash runway to make it go. Because when you first launch an ETF, you have to have enough cash on hand for at least two or three years because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And if you don't have that on hand, you may have to close before you get to critical mass. And that's like suicide. So, um, so I wanted to make sure that we could raise the money. And I had no experience fundraising, but I had been um, talking with, with uh, Rob Arnott, who had committed seed money into the fund. Mm. And I met him at a fishing camp <laughs> in Maine. So that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, but um, that was around the time that he just, you know, he reached out to me. I did have a conversation. I was like, Rob, you know, I'm going to have to launch this on my own. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, yeah. um, you know, we're going to have to raise money to, to do that. If you want to be a part of that, you'll have to let me know because I don't know how to raise funds. I don't know how to have that conversation with you. You let me know, you know, if you want to be a part of that and, and I won't ask you again. And, you know, randomly out of the blue, he emails me and he's like, hey, I will fund your company with such and such amount. Here are my conditions. One, two, three, four, five. I want such and such amount of your equity. Um, let me know if you think that's reasonable, happy to talk. So, so it was around that time when, you know, a time of kind of like confusing loss. At the same time, this person comes, you know, a friend and says, 
hey, I will fund your company. Yeah. Um, and I met him through very unusual circumstances. It was, I, was, I had been a fan of research affiliates for a long time. When I was in Pasadena with Fidelity, we were on the same street. Um, and I used to stock their building because they were doing non-cap weighted <laughs> indexing. I wanted to do non-cap right. weighted indexing. When I left Fidelity, I actually called research affiliates and I said, hey, do you guys want to work together on this? And they were like, no, please go away. Like, who are you? <laughs> and so um, that's when I started trying to learn as much as I could. And I came to one of these conferences. At the first one of these conferences, I met a guy who had me go speak at his very small CFA societies in mm. Tennessee. So I spoke in Chattanooga in Knoxville. And, um, and then I, and they recommended me for a, a, a forecast panel in a Tampa um, CFA society. And that's where I met uh, David Kotak, who was on the panel with me. It was me, David Kotak, BlackRock, and Morningstar. My first year doing this, no idea what's going on. <laughs> After the panel, David invites me to this fishing camp. It's 50 people in, in Maine, in the woods, no Wi-Fi, four days. I was like, who does this? And then my friend was like, oh, you know, you, can, you should go. You can meet Barry Ritholtz. He goes to that. And so I go to this camp. On my way to camp, I'm coming in from LaGuardia. I call the seaplane company. You have to take a seaplane into the campsite. And I'm like, is it too late to get a seaplane for today? And the seaplane company says, no, you can share with Rob or not. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so, so I intercept him at the airport. We share a seaplane. We fish together with everyone for four days. And then he ends up becoming my first investor and then an investor later on into the firm. And that's not something I could have orchestrated. Right. Like I tried um, to work with research affiliates and I failed. And, um, and then this happened. And, and he doesn't go to that camp every year. He goes like once every seven years. He only went that year because he lost a bet to Barry and he had to pay the bet. So that's the only reason he was there. And that was the first year that I had been invited to go. So um, things like that happened along the way that mm -hmm. made me realize this is an idea that's bigger than me. Yeah. Um, it's never been me. Even when it was tiny, I was loving it just because we were able to bring it into market. Yeah. Um, and that's all I wanted. I've been living the dream since day one. You know, everything now is icing on the cake that now, now that we're profitable. Um, we want to have as many people uh, know about it as possible right. so that they can use it. Yeah. But, you know, at this point, it's really, I'm, I'm very happy with how it's turned out. And, and it's never been about me or my, you know, marketing powers. It's always been the idea resonated with people. Mm -hmm. And people that resonate with it, resonate with it right away. And it's not something that I could have convinced them to do. Right. It's something that they, they just, you know, internally knew and they, they want to invest this way. So, um, so I'm really grateful for that, but it's always been bigger than me. And when you have an idea that you just want to like bring into the world, um, really all the obstacles that you face, you'll never, you'll never like, you, you can't be stopped. Like nothing will stop you. So if you have an idea like that, I would say just to anyone in the same position, you know, just go for it because uh, yeah, there's going to be there's going to be obstacles, but they're going to be nothing in, in in the grand scheme of it. And you know, you'll you'll find ways around it. If you're meant to do it, you will be equipped to do it. Um, even here at this conference, I feel very ill-equipped to do not only my job, but you know, it, the, the, anything you know related to to ETS. I'm here with, with the likes of Corey Hofstein, um, the likes of you know Rob Arnott, who I'm going to interview tomorrow. I have. You know, I, I, I'm like, what, what am I even doing here? And it's just, and that's the, the whole thing. The, when you have an idea that's bigger than you, you don't have to worry about yourself. You don't have to worry, am I good enough to do this? Because you will be equipped to do it. When the time comes, you'll have, you know, what it takes. So. I love that. <laughs> I, so the, the last podcast that I recorded, the 
guest said something to the effect of, I was scared and I just did it scared. She's like, just do it scared. Yeah, that's what courage is all about, is doing it even though you're scared, despite being scared, despite the fear. And the fear doesn't, doesn't go away. You just have to kind of bulldoze over it. Yeah, I think one thing I heard from you too that I really loved was the way that you wrapped back around to Rob. Yeah. What it, it to me it said, I may not be confident in my ability to fundraise, but I do know who I am, and so I'm going to lean into who I am, yes. which is a way of breaking past that barrier of fear because you're not trying to put yourself out there as somebody that you're not. Yeah. You're actually just willing to put yourself out there truthfully and let the right things that need to happen fall into place. Yeah, this is the huge contrast that I saw between Alpha Architect and everyone else that I had encountered in the industry up to that point, um, is that they, everybody else was telling me, funds need to be sold, not bought. Mm -hmm. Alpha Architect was the only one out there, and I don't know if they still agree with this, but they were <laughs> saying, Funds are, are bought, not sold. We're going to put our research out there, and people that resonate with our research will come and find us. Yeah. And that has been my approach the entire time. And they were the only other ones that were doing that. And that was a huge inspiration for me. And they, you know, they had very successful funds themselves. And you know, we just tell people what our mission is. You know, we want to. We want our investors to have access to the freest markets in the emerging markets universe because we think that's where the growth will be found. We think they'll outperform, and also they, you know, they're more sustainable in their growth. They recover faster from drawdowns. They use their, you know, personal and economic capital more efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, they're better to their people, and we yeah. think that's better for the world. So we're going to invest that way. If you um, would also like to invest that way, come along with us I and, love that. and be with us there. Um, but we're not going to go out and, and, you know, basically hard sell the product, although sometimes it may seem that way from as much marketing as I do. So, <laughs> no, um, I yeah. don't see that come through. I see just your total belief in what you're doing come through. It's not a hard sell. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that so much whenever I hear you, whenever I see uh, something that you've written, uh, anything. It's just you're 100% authentic in the way that you come across. And I, I appreciate oh, that so much. Thanks so much. That's what I appreciate about you guys and Alpha Architect as well. And that's, I think, so contrasting to some of the other things we see in in, in the industry in, in, on Wall Street. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really yeah. appreciate that. And it's been an inspiration for me to get to work with you guys. So. Uh, well, thank you. I, I feel so fortunate just to have been drawn into the Alpha Architect universe know, recently. Right? <laughs> it's, been, it's been such a great, um, a great culture and, yeah. and a great place to grow. So um, wrapping up, I want to make sure I understand for one and that other people understand, you know, you say you don't sell, that people buy, but how do, who, who is buying? Who, who is it an individual investor that's finding you? Is it RIAs that are finding you? Are yeah, so, so when I say I don't sell, it doesn't mean I don't sell. I understand it means that. we don't yes, use yes. like wholesalers right. and things like that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's mostly retail and retail advisors. So right now, the, I, I believe the entire fund is made up of retail and retail advisors. Mm. Um, we do get more institutional um, requests now, so and also platform requests, mm -hmm. because that's driven by the retail, retail investors. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but the institutional requests, those are kind of more coming from organic from institutions, and that's because we're bigger now. Yeah. Um, but I will always remember that the retail investors and their advisors got us to this point. That's right. So that's right. they were first. They're the most innovative, most cutting edge, and then institutions are, are following you know, after that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say one of the more exciting things that I've been able to be a part of recently is our partnership with Onyx advisors mm, yep. and so that is a place where advisors can um, be a part of a growing advisor community and access resources within the financial services industry and um, Desarte, Yarnway, and Imlin Miles Mattingly have partnered together to bring that Onyx advisor network uh, to serve to financial services and I believe they officially launch on May 1st but uh, we, Alpha Architect, were able to partner with them to build an ESG model portfolio to be on the Altruist platform that their advisors can access. And uh, one of the things that we did in building that and w working through what they wanted for that ESG model was to, was to really bring out the aspect of minority business owners. So, so, and, and a lot of these ETFs are more recently created, uh, and it's not difficult to market themselves, but it's also sometimes challenging to find their way into the space. So we've collected a group of minority ETF owners and minority businesses that are being supported by these ETFs, and we've included them and bundled them into this model. And so uh, one of those businesses is yours. We're really excited to be able oh, to so honored. bring that to just a, a bigger audience, but also just recognize that, that you are doing the work and that you belong in this ecosystem of, um, of products, but also this ecosystem of investments, I think is the word, this ecosystem yeah. of investments that are making a difference by putting dollars into the places that we believe long-term are the most sustainable and the most impactful yeah. in the no, world. I, I so. love those guys at Onyx. I mean, there's some of the, some of the, the part of the group of world-changing advisors out there. So. I agree. I agree. So, and yeah. you are you are with that and along with that in Aww. my mind the same. <laughs> so it's really exciting to see all that come together. And um, and I do, I hope you do have more opportunities in the future to be a part of models like that because I think it's a, um, it, it's, it's such a, it's just such an inspiring way to, to think of investing. And, Thank you. Um, and it, it's making, in my mind, it, it, it has such an impact and it's such a difference maker. So I, um, I, I'm, I'm in awe of you and I have been from the beginning. So I'm a fan, <laughs> okay, a fangirl, fangirl for just a minute um, that before I joined Alpha Architect and um, I just, I knew you as Perth on Twitter, who's just willing to speak her mind. And she's out there saying that she's, uh, she's making this difference, and I believe it because the way, like I said, the way that you come across is just so authentic. Um, I know sometimes you get the feedback that you are uh, too much. I get that feedback as aggressive. well. Aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> you get the feedback that you are aggressive. Yeah. Um, it, how, because I, I think there's some women, especially in this space, that, that get told that a lot. And I don't know, 
I don't know if there's ever a man that gets yeah, told he's too no, aggressive. I, so there's definitely just, a, like a double standard, I think. Yeah. Um, especially with the older generation. Yeah. That, you know, if we're out there selling something passionately as much as, uh, you know, some of these guys are that, that we're the aggressive ones or we're hard selling or something. Um, but, you know, from the younger generation of guys that, you know, like Desarte, like uh, uh, Corey, like, like Wes, that support us. I mean, they've always encouraged me to be more aggressive. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. so I just, I just think, uh, I just, I'm so thankful for them yeah. for being, you know, a part of my work and encouraging me to, you know, to even be out there more. Um, because I think sometimes as women, it is natural for us to hold back more, mm -hmm. to come across more gentle and, you know, not come in uh, too, too hard, but um, to have these guys, you know, in my life and in, in my work saying, yeah, you need to be more, more aggressive. You need to, you need to be out there more. So um, that voice is much bigger and much more numerous. I think you would agree in, in our, in the culture that we live in, yes. um, in our little corner of the ecosystem, than the other voices that say, well, wow, you're too aggressive or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm thankful for that. And, and you know what, now sitting here talking with you about it, I realize how fortunate we are to we be surrounded are. by these guys that just support women, not as like, you know, one day out of the year or as like something that they tout about themselves, but just do it naturally every day and without fanfare. Yep. So um, that's, that's so important. Um, it has been so important for me and um, contributed to so much to to my success, so I, I just I'm so thankful for guys like that. Yes, yeah. and 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 what they see or what they label as aggressive, again, they're for myself, and I know many people. It, we see passion, and yeah. and that's and what it's inspires. Good thing. <laughs> it's, it's, yes, it is. It's very inspiring. So thank you for that. Thank you for leaning into that and embracing that because it's it's created a path for people like me, who um, who are coming into the industry and have come into the industry behind you. Uh, to to own our space and no, to have you guys are an inspiration to me and, and have reminded me to when I when I heard that feedback the first thing I did was text our group yeah, right? right so you know to have that space to go to to be able to share things like this um, has been a huge uh, encouragement to me so thank yes. you for for everything that you do well I uh, wish I could have this conversation with someone every day I want to go out and run through a wall it's awesome <laughs> um, and so thank you we should so do that we should is there a wall around There's here a wall. <laughs> yeah, find a wall to run through okay. <laughs> that won't that won't get labeled aggressive at all no <laughs> <laughs> oh but thank you so much uh, Perth and I am so grateful that I get to work with you uh, on a regular basis and and Thank Mutual. you for what you're doing. And Absolutely. if anyone wants to get in touch with Perth, how can they do that? Um, I'm on Twitter at Perth underscore toll. And uh, our you know, uh, index site is lifeandlibertyindexes.com. Also, you can always contact us through the fun site, um, and that, that will reach Alpha Architect directly. Yes, so, awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Perth. And um, we will, if you love this show, which you should by now, because Absolutely. all of my guests have been amazing, <laughs> and they've had such great, inspiring things to say, uh, please subscribe to The Breakthrough Factor with Jess Bost. It is on uh, Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. And uh, be sure to check back in in the future for more updates with Perth. I look forward to having her on in the future. Thanks for having me. Awesome.